Now I know the audience can still hear me, and that we are alive, and you're wondering why you guys are all so late. Well, can I hear myself? Yes, I can. There's a voice that's not been heard yet, and that's Callum's. Now, if you can't hear Callum, it's because he's had a bit of an incident, right, Aiden? Yes, he has. He has, um, he has um, lost the functioning of his Snapchat and has been unable to update either of us about what he is currently doing, which is a first aid course, yeah. uh, rather um, than being on this radio show with us. So, that's been fun. Um, <laughs> so, we're roasting Callum a little bit, but we've lost 20 minutes of time. We're getting the show ahead. The mics don't work. This is Star. You're listening to Let Me Talk. Aiden, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, my name's Aiden. Um, second year, I study currently uh, English film uh, philosophy. Um, 19 years old, I have ambitions to be some kind of writer in some kind of non-fictional, fictional sphere. I haven't really decided at this point. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, you want to be a journalist as well, don't you? I want to be a journalist. I want to be a broadcast journalist because I simply cannot write. I am terrible. I cannot do essays. I've acted on stage. I've <laughs> I've sung sung on stage, but I can't write for my life. And my lecturers tell me that all the time. Well, that's a profession for all of us, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. So if they tell me uh, it's like, hey, you got to start a newspaper, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I'm going to go straight to TV. Yeah. So we're here to talk about a little bit about Marxism. Mm. Uh, this is a little more fast paced than we would have wanted, given the situation <laughs> at hand. Um, so. Tell us uh, any background to, like, just give us Aiden and Marxism, a story. Go. Okay. So, um, I went to school in Cambridge. Okay. I went to school at a um, fairly, it was a Christian-run sort of Methodist school, which, which, you know, essentially means that it's a liberal form or classically liberal form of Christianity. Um, at this point, that's, that essentially means that it's conservative. So, at a very young age, I was fairly disillusioned with a lot of the sort of Christian and conservative values that I was mm-hmm. being sort of lectured once a week sitting down in a chapel, which essentially drew me to, like most uh, fairly unread kind of adolescence to the sort of new atheist movement of people like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. Uh, the Christopher Hitchens route took me down a more political sort of assessment of religion uh, and organized religion. Um, and more into a kind of materialist perception of things, of social relations, and uh, the sort of younger Hitchens who wrote for papers like um, The Nation and The New Statesman, rather than the later um, atheistic and moderately imperialist-minded sort of fat, chain-smoking alcoholic that's become famous on YouTube, uh, who supported George Bush and all of the American interventions in Iraq post 9-11. That took me to the more materialist strain of political thinking, which goes back way further than Marx, but was revolutionized by Marx in his thinking and writing, not least in his economics and um, philosophical tracts and treaties, but also in his journalism. And... 
from Marx you can find references to many different types of philosophical traditions which have, you know, more so in the continental tradition, people like Hegel and the German idealists which have come to influence me somewhat, not as much as Marx and we'll talk about potentially the break between Marx and that kind of train of thought but way further uh, to the more more sort of like um, should we say like phenomenologists and existentialists, post-structuralists and all of those interesting radical thinkers who have come to just significantly influence me over the sort of last, should we say, three years since I decided yeah. that the new atheist movement was a bunch of bullshit. So yeah, fair enough. You're allowed to swear on the show, just saying you're allowed to swear. Uh, I've, I'm well aware. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you talk about different thinkers um, and yeah. you're right, it's just incredibly interesting. Uh, do you have a question to ask you personally on that? But we're gonna uh, so the audience gets a bit of background on how Let Me Talk works. Yeah. Callum actually writes a bunch of questions, then goes, "Is this okay?" And I go, "Yeah." Then I write my own questions as well. <laughs> so uh, Callum is very much trying to get educated from this show. So to educate Callum, Callum, one of Callum's questions. So hi, Callum. Hope you're listening to this recording whenever this is going to be up. Um, Callum asks, who was Karl Marx? Who was Karl Marx? Should we answer that very quickly for Callum? This is such a, a fun question because, because it's essentially completely biographical, which I began a research project on for my own fun like about two years ago. So I have this PowerPoint with some vague facts that not many people are actually aware of. So Give us a few, give us a few fun facts on, on young Karl. Okay, so Marx was born... 1818 in Trier, so it's then Prussia, okay? He was born into a secular Jewish family. His father was, um, he came from a long line of rabbis who, uh, his amb- he had ambitions um, to be like a, a successful attorney and obviously during a period of immense European Jewish suppression, including the um, abrogation of Jewish emancipation in the Rhineland, and such events like that. Um, Marx's father converted conveniently to a more secular form and public Christianity um, in order to gain success in his career. So the Jewish oppression was pretty central to Marx's nuclear family household. His father was a middle class, obviously, as a sort of as a as an employed lawyer, was of the sort of bourgeois class in the nineteenth century, and so held Enlightenment values. And so Marx was very familiar with that kind of lifestyle and knew exactly what he was talking about. Therefore, from personal experience, when it came to criticizing those, um, he had many children, uh, many of which, uh, wait, uh, some of which, sorry, not many, died of starvation during periods of poverty in London. Um, he studied under Edward Gans, who was a Hegelian. Um, and we can get into the theoretical um, influence of Hegel on Marx's thought if we have time. Um, Marx himself was a young Hegelian in that sense that after Hegel, Hegel dies, like Hegel's like fundamental ideas are carried into like the different um, ideas of people like Feuerbach another person who influenced Marx and Marx himself whose own PhD dissertation was um, pretty Hegelian in its philosophy and then eventually Marx would in 1845 and 46 break from that particular tradition and the entire tradition of German idealism as a philosophy Um, primarily Hegel but also influenced by other people Um, uh, idealism as a movement is pretty 
diverse people like Kant and Schopenhauer and even Nietzsche are like are not accused, well sometimes accused, but aligned with that particular school. Though Marx's primary influence, along with of course like the French utopian socialists like Fourier and Saint Simon, um, was of course Hegel. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a, that's a very, very impressive rundown on on Marxism and on well, Karl Marx specifically in general and his biographical part of his life. And I think it's incredibly important before we we dive and kind of explain to the audience uh, who I think kind of listen to this, trying to like get into trying to understand the basics. I think of Marxism. I think it's incredibly important. Thank you very much that you brought up the biography of Marx and his lived experiences because that definitely affected like what he believed in. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Marx himself was middle class. I think it's very important. Like, when um, we see people in the media today, like, um, should we say, you know, um, well-known socialists or proclaimed democratic socialists, like, let's say, AOC or um, even uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who are like not impoverished and live, I would say, fairly lower middle class to middle class lifestyles are accused of utilizing a certain amount of privilege in order to um, exist and to platform themselves um, in support of the working class. They basically are accused of hypocrisy. It's important to remember that most of the utopian French thinkers and then after that the materialist Marxist tradition thinkers were all able to think in such a way and able to access the materials to do so via like the wealth that they had accumulated and that their families had given them yes it is a it's a hypocrisy and it is a contradiction but it is also a privilege education itself is should be considered a privilege in that capacity because if you don't have the access to the assets then you won't be able to. You won't be able to actually like do the reading and do mm. the education. That's a really good point because that actually makes you think of a, a controversial figure in con- contemporary. If you think contemporary, wouldn't necessarily say thinkers, but leftist broadcasters, sure. um, who even within leftist movements is even contra- um, controversial, is Hassan Piker. Sure. If you have, he because of the fact his uncle. Chen Cougar was um, Young Turks, right? Yeah, yeah. Came from the Young Turks, and they've obviously he does come from a quite wealthy background in Turkey mm-hmm. uh, before moving to the US. He's been deemed to be a hypocrite, especially given that he bought what was it like a two million dollar house from the Twitch? Market, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Hassan's pretty interesting. I find Hassan. Uh, I used I, so so during COVID, I found his Twitch streams. Yeah, um, same here. Yeah, very fun to like listen to, especially during let's say like the Capitol riots and the invasion. Yeah. like that's like he's a he's a very he's a very interesting person to like watch because he like as he like discovers what's going on with like live updates or he's watching broadcasts or breaking it down. Like he breaks it down in layman's terms. He's very sort of open to like every kind of individual like joining his streams and stuff like that um he's very he's a very good entry point to a lot of left-wing thinking and a lot of um again a lot of materialist politics i have a lot of friends who have um started to like really become interested and involved in a lot of contemporary progressive issues including not like not limited to, but including things like the, like trans rights, like 
um, pan-Africanism and things like that simply from listening to things that he's actually had to say about a lot of this stuff. That's, that's, what got, that's actually what got me into... Uh, I would say... I really don't like labels and, as such, but I would say that pre-COVID, I would definitely be deemed more as a liberal, if you know what I mean, like a classical liberal. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Not liberal in the American sense of the term, more liberal in sort of like, you know, more centrist sort of liberal. Yeah. Okay. Whereas... Yeah. It's very much. It was kind of like uh, for me a gateway towards leftism is very much finding his Twitch channel, and then over time, sort of. And I still do have myself. I do still like him, but it's it's. I I have found I have grown sort of away from him, and sort of trying to find sort of like broadening my ideas. And and I think, as you said, a great entry point. But I think there's also. I think leaving it at that, and then like kind of progressing as a person. Yeah, I, I I found him to be. Well, I still have great respect for for Hassan, but it's um, yeah, I I really in progressing to other thinkers. That's what I was thinking when you mentioning the the sort of like the people who get called hypocrites. I did it did make me think of him quite a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of um, I mean, obviously like great entry points like are generally like not just like um the way that people explain ideas and stuff like that, or even the ideas themselves. It's generally like personalities and charismas and things like that. And like Hassan definitely is that in the same way that someone like Sam Cedar is, or um even the new atheists, like all of them have a certain capacity for charisma that can attract a very specific demographic. Now that demographic is one hundred percent um generally very um, angry Christian defectors who are suddenly turning to this kind of militant atheism, which is which seems liberating, but it's in my opinion like fairly destructive as an idea. Um, I agree about the labels thing actually as well. I mean, I wouldn't identify as a Marxist, um, even though I agree with more or less everything I've read of Marx outside of his journalism, his journalism is insane. If you actually read it, like, the predictions he makes, like, things like, um, you know, like, the revolution is, you know, don't hold me to this, actually. Like, I think the rev- I think he says the revolution is going to happen in Germany, like, for the first ever one, when, of course, it happened in Russia, which we could come to. Um, equally, um, Equally, I think that most people that identify as Marxists are generally pretty unaware that most of the things that Marx talks about or the ideas that Marx heralds and is famous for heralding and analysing and critiquing and developing are generally very old ones that predate Marx by quite a lot. Even Marx's... In my opinion, I think there are two things which generally, like, everyone should know about that that they exist at the center of marxist theory and that's the first is the concept of alienation which he appropriates from of course hegel and then the concept of creativity and creativity in marxism is a synonym for production um those two things are generally i think the pillars and exist at the center of marx's entire body of work even the later stuff which some french theorists in the 60s decided to separate from the early stuff because they thought that the early stuff was more of a Louis Althusser for example thought the early stuff like rejected it on the basis that it 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 was more of a sort of a humanism rather than a kind of science shall we say with like more of an emphasis on that kind of historical determinism and the economic economical side of it all um there are some there are loads that's that's really like simplified but there are a lot of arguments that he made um in in like 
really famous essays like ideology and ideological state apparatus and things like that um but i think that most people generally who are aware of the revolutionary tradition in 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 literature and in actuality um are aware of a lot of marx's ideas including the whole idea of collectivization and communism comes you know comes from antiquity and from ancient greece for example even from cicero so oh definitely and you actually mentioning with with um kind of like labels as well yeah one of <laughs> we're going to callum's actually uh first question which is when someone says they're a marxist what does that mean to you when someone says i personally am a marxist mm-hmm. what does that mean what do they believe in and in terms of like, if you think of it as like the theory, the theory itself, less the man, I think, but obviously the man is obviously incredibly important, but more. The theory. Um, okay. Marx, it's really funny. Okay. So uh, if you search up Marxism on Google, the definition that comes up is, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm, this is, this is not word for word, but it's like of or relating to the work of Marx and Engels, which is like conveniently vague for such an expansive and, you know, ultimately incredibly broad body of work which is very difficult to define in the sentence and like so this that and and for that reason like you know which exemplifies which is exemplified sorry by the fact that there are so many different like variations and variants of marxism marx was always in his life um competing against like different factions of left-wing thinking which is the entire point of the last chapter of the Communist Manifesto. The entire point of the chapter of the Communist Manifesto is a kind of um, call to unification between different um, factions and parties, all claiming to like want social or revolutionary change, but with different, you know, different like and like nuanced. Um, points of conflict in methodology or in you know whatever like for example i mean the fundamental difference between marxists and anarchists is that marx um made an emphasis on the necessity for capitalism in order to achieve socialism capitalism has to happen and it has to run its full fruition you know um in order for socialism to have like you know the wealth in the first place to redistribute and anarchism wants everything to collapse at once there's like you know it's like there's no longevity to anarchism it has to all happen immediately which is where marx thought that you know the original theorist of anarchism bakunin was an idiot and i kind of agree (laughs) and um when someone says they're a marxist now which is interesting because not many people do they're generally aligning themselves with a kind of anti-Stalinist, anti-authoritarian, new left countercultural kind of Marxism, which is generally all about fucking, like, (laughs) freedom, democracy. Um, Mistakenly, they, like, throw the word equality around quite a lot, um, which is not something Marx actually ever said himself because Marx is generally associated with like you know philosophy of equality or equity when Marx thought that equality itself as a concept was a bourgeois concept and um, in a a nuanced argument in Capital he makes um, about like 
commodities and like the equality of commodities and like which relates to his other argument that commodities are the center of social relations rather than people which is of course a problem it's a process called reification and generally speaking those marxists in the 60s uh, are trotskyites um which i know a lot of leninists who would say that is a convenient way of separating oneself from um the you know the supposed atrocities of the soviet union um But then again, there are Marxists who defend the Soviet Union still. Leninists, Marxist-Leninists, um, even Stalinists, who um, think that uh, Lenin's interpretation of Marx was absolutely correct. It's just the conditions of the part-feudal Russian society in 1917, which essentially caused and prophesied the downfall of the Soviet Union in 91. Um... Yeah, but when someone says they're a Marxist, they're whatever kind of Marxist they are, they're generally going to be saying that they are on board with a series of progressive movements that have materialized since the civil rights movement in the 1960s, not just the African one, but of course the Native American one and the Latin American one. Black Panther movement as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. Malcolm X himself, like... Malcolm X was uh, an Islamic socialist, you know, like Marxism is not just now, is not just associated with these material movements, but it's also associated with um, Bath Party as well, you're mentioning yeah, yeah, of course, yeah um, it's, it's an alignment with a lot of progressive movements, and while we're on the subject, we might as well talk about wokeism uh, because wokeism is would you even say just as like as we t- would you even say that uh, real is not really a, a a correct term that I'm looking for? But when you, when you think of wokeism and you being woke, yeah, would you say that's even a real term? Or do you think it's just some because to me it just seems like something that's been co-opted? I don't think I don't know where the term actually originates, but I don't think that the term woke originates with the left. I think the term woke. If it doesn't originate, then it's 100% been appropriated and hijacked by the right in it order has, to yeah. in order to cri- in order to criticize and make fun of the left. Which is, um, I do remember it being a sort of not necessarily leftist term, but probably uh, I do remember it like very vague. I mean, I'm I, I'm 20, almost 21, so it's not necessarily like I remember back in the early days of the internet. But yeah. I do remember. Do you have a vague memory of it being used in a positive manner? Which is more like imagine someone like like who knows their stuff about and very much about like kind of is is progressive minded, but does have a knowledge of these progressive mind ideas. Mm. I've heard people say they're woke, as in like they're awake as to what is happening, and it wasn't necessarily used as like I wouldn't say like it was a positive, but it was more used in sort of like a a fun positive, not necessarily as like yeah. a, a compliment, but not necessarily as a negative either. It may just it, I think it may just be because I um, didn't really get on board with these kind of political ideas or any kind of current affairs or whatever for, um, until like a few years ago. Yeah. But like I cannot remember it once being used in at least the British media yeah. as something complimentary um, towards the people who it's supposedly being attributed to. Wokeism to me is probably it's two things. Um, it's 
it's a series of um, it's a, okay. It's a series of appropriations of v- very true, very moral, very strategic and plausible social movements and the ethos and messages of all of those different things. Um, but fundamentally, it's 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 also performative which is my biggest issue with it, is that most people who go on the BBC or on ITV or Channel 4 or Fox or CNN who identify, and these people identify as work, which which I would suggest... Um, as, in, as in saying that, oh, I... Like, yeah, so I, people like, you know, like people like Owen Jones who are like, you know, yeah. lauded as like, yeah. you know, great champions of the left now. Who is a good writer, to be fair, but... Um, People who identify as woke are clearly fairly unaware of its imp- of, of of what it's understood as in the yeah. public sphere. Like the public consciousness, essentially holds wokeism as something either dangerous, which I think is stupid, or something just like disruptive and annoying. Like it's generally like. Um, the opinion of like you'll see people like <sighs> posting consistently on conservative meme pages on like Instagram or something about like how woke people are just like you know <laughs> I don't know that it's like like weak or just complaining and like yeah. have no actually intention like they don't understand how the world works and things like that you no know, these people that will go on and identify as woke on these like on on broadcast television they um that <sighs> They generally don't have, should we say, the um, the capacity to um, argue in the same way that, um, should we say, leftist YouTubers such as you know Philosophy Tube, and I've I've watched a, a brilliant um, uh, trans uh, woman talk about um, break down the ideas of the intellectual dark web, for example, and how they like contradict with like contradict her. Um, her socialistic um, intentions and deliberations in the political sphere um, and how they cannot justify themselves where she can. And the people that are marketing wokeism are generally and justifiably referred to as kind of performative liberals by people in the socialist sphere because they're advocating a kind of legislative or political reformation to whatever you know like to the you know the equality act of 2010 was legislative reform in order to include more people but what they're doing is what they're doing is sitting on the shoulders of very very progressive and hard-won movements of the 20th and before that um, 20th 19th centuries without the awareness that you can change various masks of the system or you can redress it in different clothes but fundamentally the system a system which is you know built on transphobia homophobia slavery and therefore racism misogyny all of which predate the capitalist mode into the feudal tradition and before that but the capitalist mode is fundamentally predicated and has utilized all of these phobias and isms in order to subsist. And if you don't change the system or attack at the very essence of it, 
then nothing is fundamentally going to change. There's a reason that America, which is generally considered one of the most racist nations in the West, and I think, I don't know, rightfully so, not that you can, like, trivialize or measure such things like that, America has historically and famously always been one of the most opposed nations to any kind of revolutionary means. And there's a reason that that is the case, that you know, there's a reason that Marvin Gaye like, wrote the album What's Going yeah. On, right? Incredible. About a Vietnam war vet returning from war to discover that the enemies are not in the wider eastern landscape or behind the Iron Curtain, but the enemies are within. <laughs> They're within your own nation. He comes back to a world of discrimination and phobias and isms because they're inherent and implicit. Like, yeah, no, but next question. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was actually really enjoying where you're going with that. That's actually one of my <coughs> one of the topics I'm incredibly interested in is sort of the the civil rights movement and its links to leftist, I want to say, I don't, again, labels, but socialism, Marxism, and it's, because it, there are some definite links. Yeah, no, such an interesting I one. went to uh, an American school uh, in the Middle East. Okay. There was the American system. Where in the Middle East? Oman. Okay. And the, um, the, the teaching, you really realize that in the American system, the teaching of, for, of civil rights very much glosses over more revolutionary figures such as Malcolm X Absolutely. or anyone within yeah. the Black Panther movement, for example, to name a few. Yeah. And very much focuses more on MLK, obviously, who MLK himself did definitely have some. They mentioned so I don't actually I don't know if you mentioned Marx specifically, but he definitely does mention socialism. Yeah, he and he does. Um, I, f I find Martin Luther King. Um, uh, dis you know, dis dis despite all of the flaws that people point out now, um, because he's such a populist figure, you know, like it's the same case with like uh, you know a civil rights movement figure like Nelson Mandela. They are popular, but they're popular for a reason. So I do like very much enjoy what Ma what, what MLK says about you know the state of things. Not as much as I do about the not much to do with someone like James Baldwin. Yes, of course. Yes. Or um, Malcolm X, and even like people in the arts like you know, you know Nina Simone or someone like that who incorporates it into her own music. I I, I, f I find I find Malcolm X more. Um, people described him more of a sort of um, they they sort of reduced him to the kind of like fantasist I think with his like ideals of sort of absolute segregation and things like that where MLK was more about the um, obviously obviously um, white people and black people and all races living together I find I find Malcolm X's analysis of the state of America at the particular time actually more realistic it, yeah I, I do as well it's also the I'm, I'm when it comes to movies and books, I'm really bad because I'll read halfway, stick it down, nor put it down, and never pick it up again. And I don't know why I do this, but I did read uh, the autobiography as much as I could of the autobiography of Malcolm X. And something I found interesting was we never saw what I want to say is the true. We are deviating from this, but I do find this quite interesting. Mm. The 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 true Malcolm X, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I I I always found him quite sort of. He, within the nation of Islam, especially under Elijah Muhammad, he he seemed quite the he he seemed quite preoccupied, if you will, by the internal strife of the internal struggle he felt within the nation of Islam, especially as he got more popular and started to rival Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. 
that then yeah. when you finally split from that and founded the uh, oh god what is it called um, the organization he founded which I'm going to look up because I should know the name of it um, it was um, oh organization of Afro American unity yes and you see him sort of I, I, I feel sort of when he breaks away from that sort of himself learning diff- new things he takes his voyages to Cairo to Mecca and I, don't know, I always felt like like there was so much more to see from him that he didn't quite get to do and you, I think you can see it a bit with Muhammad Ali who himself like after Elijah Muhammad died yeah. and Nation yeah, yeah, of Islam yeah. converted to more Sunni like traditional Sunni Islam his big kind of like ideas came post the death of Elijah Muhammad his yeah. his his because he was supposed to in career. I mean, I mean, anyone who says that um, like Marxism as a school or as a, like a, what do you call it, a, like a lens or whatever is is um, irrelevant now, and it like you know it's bagged down by like you know ideas like class or whatever. It's like it's got nothing to say about like current sort of mainstream what you call like. I guess, like, identity politics kind of movements, things like that. It's like, you just have... The first thing you have to look at, for one, is Lenin's book, Imperialism, like, The Highest Stage of Capitalism, which is... um, I might be paraphrasing on that title, but essentially, Marxism is very much focused on colonization, imperialism, and the damage that it's done. Malcolm X himself, you have to look at what... The relevance of Marxism in progressive and materialist movements in Africa, not least the African-American movements, I would say headed by Malcolm X probably in the 60s, uh, among, uh, of course, the Black Panthers as well. There's a, actually, there's a great movie that came out a couple of years ago called One Night in Miami. Oh, I've been meaning, yeah. I've genuinely been meaning to watch that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, yeah. it's it's really great. And like, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. plays Sam Cooke, it's great. But like, um, but like the, re- the relevance is so unbelievably implicit it's explicit it's astute like it's like you also marx and engels it's important to note as well that they were proto-environmentalists like at the heart of marx's theory of alienation of of the four categories one of them is mankind's humankind sorry alienation from nature um because nature is rendered by the capitalist mode of production um into this kind of dead kind of you know, material for extraction of capital. And I think we can see, like, very obviously with the environmental crisis that we've got currently going that he was absolutely right and that corporate greed, the ideology of corporate greed propagated in the 80s by people like Reagan um, has, of course, continued a long line of exploitation of nature which has now come to a kind of apocalyptic stalemate and if Marx was alive now I think he I think he would definitely be at the forefront of ecological politics if not he'd be that annoying environmentalist on the end of a Twitter feed definitely um Marx is very relevant he's also Engels specifically, actually, I know there's a question coming up about Marx's relationship to Engels, which I think is a little bit stupid. The problem is we have five minutes, so we, <laughs> you, what we definitely need to have is a part two with you. 
is a part two because it's okay. incredibly interesting. Because uh, there's so much to say. I know. I mean, I know. Callum just wants very much. It comes trying to learn from this show different things. Yeah. So he really likes the simplistic breakdown, which is incredibly important. Yeah. But then you have when he has me sub in. <laughs> I'm really like it's like it's a weird because I really want the audience to learn, but I also like know the the, the, the you know the, the, the simple, basics. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, note to Callum and Tom for the future. Uh, for when Aiden does come back, unless he hates us uh, after the <laughs> delay, um, we will talk about class conflict next time because I feel like we need more than five minutes to talk about that. that the idea of, yeah, of class that's and huge. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you to go back actually to beginning of the show, and you mentioned about growing you growing up in the kind of conservative Christian background and mm-hmm. how that made you sort of move towards Marxism away from that background. Mm-hmm and a different leftist thinking. What do you think of the relationship between Christianity and Marxism? Because okay. um, you think about it as like the whole very simplistic mindset of Jesus was a socialist, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but we, we do have five, we do have four minutes, really. So you'll have to... The relationship between Christianity and Marxism is very weird. Because, okay, so... so, Christ, so Jesus, if you interpret his actions, especially in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is um, very anti-consumerism. He's very, um, he's famously anti-kind of, you know, like hoarding wealth and things like that. He's, um, okay, there's a really famous quote from the Gospel of Luke. Um, I'm an atheist, by the way. I just like kind of know the bible but um there's a, there's a quote from the gospel of luke which essentially says that um it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of god um so if you interpret jesus's like words and parables very literally then it would suggest that christianity is actually pretty materialist pretty socialist in that capacity but i, th- I just i just like and, you know, there are people, you know, there are very famous Marxists like Cornel West or Terry Eagleton and stuff that, like, very much, like, utilize their um, grounding in Christianity and in religion in order to justify their political takes. Um, I am open to that. I don't think I've actually made a decision about the relevance of religion. Uh, I think it's very useful. I think Marx's very militant atheism is... Um, I think I, I, I think it's, it's it's very noble way to live your life, but I think that the fact that when you consider that religiosity and church going um, increases directly proportional with um, with the demographic of society that are more impoverished, religion suddenly becomes less something that corrupts and distracts and coerces people into submission to different superstructures than something that is actually genuinely useful in order to help people on a more personal and introspective level. It becomes something more about spirituality, even though that's, I guess, a dirty word, but unless something about, you know, dogmatic or doctrinal organized religion. Um, I think the relationship with monotheism in general i think is is pretty it's it's definitely strenuous with left-wing political movements because obviously the grounding of marxism you know as exemplified by his introduction to hegel's philosophy of right is is it it it, it includes religion as a as an as an oppressive superstructure and 
one of the state's vital methods of ideological influence and what we'd call interpolation, which is the sort of dictated um, internalization of normal people with the values of the ruling authorities. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very indecisive about it at this point, but, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's more than fine. I mean, you still have a lot to learn. And unfortunately... It is the end of the show. Sure. We should have had 20 extra minutes. <laughs> uh, we, Callum, you will not outlift this. I mean, actually, next show you come on, if you're willing to come back on, uh, we, yeah, sure. we will, whenever that will be. We haven't touched on Marx's yes, theories we will, yet. I think so. we'll spend a good five, ten minutes bullying Callum for today. Uh, if yeah, agree. that sounds good. Thank you very much for coming on, Aidan. This has been incredibly, incredibly insightful. And I'm no very worries, happy to no have met you because Thank you. <laughs> I've, I've myself learned a lot today. Uh, this was Let Me Talk is 8.59. Sorry for the delay. Um, we should have another pe- group coming afterwards. But anyway, we have to end on time because otherwise the head of programming, my friend Phoebe, is going to hit me. Mm. So thank you very much for coming on, Aidan. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to being back <laughs> on Let Me Talk with Callum this time. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a good night. I'm going to walk around and turn that off so to make no noise until I turn it off because otherwise they're going to hear everything on a hot mic. Good night.